Hey everyone and welcome to a little bit of everything and on this episode I recap the 90th Oscars from the big winners to the telecast to the red carpet fashion plus I share some of my favorite Oscar nominated and winning movies of all time so let's go let's get started with the show so of course the Academy Awards happened on Sunday March 4th and the big winner was The Shape of Water it took them four Academy Awards including Best Picture and Best Director for Guillermo del Toro um, and that was amazing for them they won four awards including those top two as well as I think two other awards in the production technical categories uh, in the acting categories it was kind of predictable who was going to win. We saw it happen all season long. So Sam Rockwell, Allison Jenny, Gary Oldman, and Francis McDormand all won it in their respective categories. It was no surprise that they won. So I wish it was cool if there was an upset, but it didn't come as a surprise when we knew that those four were going to win, as well as Guillermo, because he won all the director's award leading up to this. I think the biggest races were best picture and maybe some of the other technical categories because i feel like everything else specifically like the top four categories were all predictable but i'm so happy for them anyways and allison jenny and francis mcdormand had some great speeches they were fun and francis mcdormand i'm going to talk about that speech a little bit later on as i say it was one of my favorite speeches from the show so another big movie that won over the weekend Coco, they won two awards, Best Enemy Feature and Best Original Song for Remember Me. And Robert Lopez, who co-wrote the song with his wife, Kristen Alderson Lopez, became the first person to ever, get this, have a double EGOT. That's an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Robert Lopez is the first person to do it twice over. He won his first EGOT with Let It Go being his final award. And ironically enough, the Oscar is his final award the second time around, this time for uh, Remember Me. So maybe he could do it a third time with Frozen the Musical on Broadway to win a Tony, the cast album to win a Grammy, whatever song he writes for a TV series, maybe a Frozen special, and a song from Frozen 2 to win an Oscar. That could happen again. And the thing is, he's also the youngest EGOT recipient. So he actually has time to even do this all over again. So that will be kind of cool to see if he can actually do a triple. So yeah, those are some of the big winners. Now on to what happened on the really, really, really long, long telecast. So I mean, it was long. The telecast ran for three hours and 50 minutes. It ran 50 minutes over, which is usually what happens with these award shows. They always go over. I don't get why they don't pad it with an extra half hour or start it in half hour earlier. Um, it's actually the fifth longest ceremony in history. The longest, get this, was in 2002, which ran for... A whopping four hours and 23 minutes. A nearly five-hour ceremony. Basically, everybody on the East Coast was like, I need to go to sleep. I have work tomorrow. Get on with this damn award show. But interestingly enough, by comparison, the first ceremony in 1929 lasted 15 minutes. And the first televised ceremony lasted an hour and 32 minutes in 1953. I know times have changed, but they were able to do it in about an hour and a half. How come we can't do it within an hour and a half or at least two hours? Do we really need three hours for a ceremony? So viewership is actually down from last year. So the viewership was down 19% from last year and down 25% among adults 18 to 49. So viewership this year was 26.54 million viewers compared to 32.94 million viewers in 2017. 
And in the ratings, it was a 9.1 in 2017 versus a 6.8 this past year. It's actually one of the lowest rated telecasts in many years. So many are kind of trying to see and figure out why um, the telecast is down. And a lot of things are down for television in general this season. So it can't be just this. I think a lot of people are cutting cords. A lot of people are just wanting the highlights. They just want to know who were the big winners. And they want to see the highlights on television, actually on online or the next morning so they don't want to sit through a whole telecast which i don't blame them i sat through the whole thing but uh it'll be interesting to see if it goes up i'm curious what kind of changes they'll bring to the show uh next year it'll be cool they do nominate big big box office movies like black panther and whatever big movies come out for the rest of the year i mean what's interesting is that the biggest movie of the year uh, Wonder Woman and Beauty and the Beast weren't nominated in top categories. A lot of people were thinking Beauty and the Beast would at least get a Best Original Song nomination, but it didn't. It'll be interesting to see what changes they'll make for the next telecast. But let's talk about some of my favorite moments. So some of my favorite moments included that black and white opening, which they did. It was kind of a cool homage to uh, how television was back in the day. And as I said, the original telecast aired in 1953. And it was black and white. There was no color television. So it was a really cool throwback there. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, he did a solid job as host again. Uh, I didn't find his monologue crazy good or crazy bad. I just found it okay. But my favorite part was that to have people not give long, 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 long winded speeches. Uh, he was basically going to give them a jet ski, which averaged about $18,000 to the winner of the shortest speech. And that person was costume designer Mark Bridges, whose speech clocked in at under 40 seconds. So I like that. I'm like, if I was there and, and like they were like, here's a jet ski for you guys. If you guys give the shortest speech, I'll be like, all right, I want to thank you all. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> That's it. Simple as that. And like, okay, now where's my jet ski? One of my favorite parts of the night since it was celebrating 90 years of the Oscars. They uh, did various montages throughout the night, especially in the big four categories, lead actor, lead actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, where they highlighted some incredible winners in a beautifully edited way. And like they use scenes from these movies, but yet wording wise, it worked because it was like, one movie, one line, and then the next, the next, the next. And it all connected so well. And they did a montage thanking the viewers to, for going to the movies. They did one for the military, which I love that they did. And they also did one about diversity in movies in general and all of that. So that was just my favorite parts of it because it was really cool. I would love that they included more of those throughout the next few telecasts. I'm curious what they'll do for the 100th because the 100th is going to be the big one. So I'm curious how they'll do that one comparative to the 90th. So I'm hoping the 100th one is going to be amazing. So another amazing thing that they did over on the Oscars was they brought back some legends, including Eve Marie Saint and Rita Moreno. They, pre they presented several awards. And it's amazing to see a lot of these legends that we don't get to see a lot of anymore on the big screen sometimes due to maybe health or maybe just because they retired from acting. I mean, Rita hasn't retired. She's on one day at a time, which she's killing. But so cool to see these people. And they're so, they're beautiful too. So the thing is, I love it because we get to see them now. And like, we get to see the legends from 
before presenting to maybe future legends of tomorrow. So that'd be, that's kind of cool. And of course, the telecast included some cool musical performances, including Andre Dan Common's performance of Stand Up for Something, which featured a slew of activists right behind them. That was really cool and actually fit into the messaging of the song, which is if you believe in something, you have to stand up for it. Another one was Kiala Sato performing This Is Me from The Greatest Show. And she got emotional and the performance was just fun. It was a fun, cool performance. It was a great way to wrap up the best original song uh, performances. Of course, the other performances were Mary J. Blige, the song from Call Me By Your Name, and of course, Remember Me, which the song is great. Uh, the opening to that performance, not quite, but Miguel did a great job. The performance was really cool to highlight Mexican culture, especially in just two minutes. So good job on that, you guys. Uh, one more thing, speaking of everything that happened during the telecast, uh, Kimmel taking several stars across the street to the TCL Tiny Theater to thank them for supporting the industry, to thank moviegoers sorry, t- for supporting the industry. I love this. This is so cool. Uh, it's it was like a prank, but it wasn't a prank. Uh, they did this and during when fans were uh, screening A Wrinkle of Time. And I loved it because it was so much fun. I love how they brought the people. And no one knew that they were coming except maybe everyone who got the heads up from it besides the moviegoers. And I loved it because it did show the, the amazing reaction from these moviegoers. And I love that they went across the street to thank them, to thank them for actually going to see movies, for seeing movies and everything. And that was just beautiful. And it was really fun. And then after, right after that, two amazing fun presenters, Maya Rudolph and Tiffany Haddish, came out and they apparently were in Uggs, apparently. And Tiffany Haddish re-wore a familiar dress that everyone knows, her Alexander McQueen dress that she wore on the girls' trip red carpet on SNL and now at the Oscar stage. Now, a lot of people are petitioning for them to host next year's ceremony, and I have to say it, I'm with them. I would love these two to host. They were hilarious. They were funny. They were also kind of crazy as well. So I hope that the Oscars, uh, the Oscar producers were watching during that time. Hey, these two, they need to present next year. Maya Rudolph and Tiffany Haddish, they were just funny and they were incredibly cool. So now we're near the end of everything. So Frances McDormand's acceptance speech, amazing. She wanted all the female nominees to stand up and just really see every female represented. And then she had two words that were so important. And I don't think a lot of people know what it is, which was inclusion writer. And I... I didn't know what an inclusion writer was, so I had to look it up. So this is from NPR. So an inclusion writer is a stipulation that an actor or actress can ask or demand to have inserted into their contracts, which would require a certain level of diversity among a film's cast and crew. And I have to say, I like this, uh, but I hope when they say an inclusion writer, I hope they also note that we need people who actually can do the roles, not just have somebody in the movie just cast because of their the color of their skin or their gender i if the movie asks for a specific person and they can do the role then let them do the role i don't want it to be like oh but we need x amount of people of color we need x amount of females i want it to be fair i want it to be, i want this to work but i also want it to be like don't pick somebody just because of their the skin or their color or their gender but pick because of their merit because of what they've done and 
if they can actually do the role. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I agree. I think we need more inclusion. We need more people. We mean we need more diversity in movies. There are so many people that live here in the States and live around the world that are so diverse. There's people of different races, color, religion that don't get represented on the screen. So hopefully this does bring change and that this does bring diversity to the stage. And hopefully, I'm hoping it does turn out well. And of course, at the end of the night, everyone was wondering who was presenting Best Picture. Well, it was Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway all over again. And a lot of people were hoping not to mess up, but I don't think anyone could have messed it up. If y'all saw the envelopes, they had literally the names of the categories on them. So you could basically say... Which ca- you didn't have to say which category it was. It was really on the envelope, and you could not have mixed it up. If you messed it up, that is your fault, officially there, because there was best there was best picture or best lead actress. Like they were all over the envelope, and that's like, okay, if anyone messes up presenting the wrong movie again, it is now their fault. And I have to say, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, they did not mess up at all. They did such a great job. I love that they were able to, um have fun with what happened last year and I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that they were able to poke fun at themselves instead of being on a high horse. That was really cool. And of course that went to the shape of water who won best picture. But enough about the telecast. Those were some of my favorite moments. Let's talk about the looks from the red carpet. There were some incredible looks on the red carpet, including Rita Moreno, who I have to say I can't fit into anything from three weeks ago, let alone anything from yesterday. But that woman could fit into a dress from 1962. How the hell? I have to give it to Rita for that. Because she wore the dress that she won the Oscar in, the Oscar for West Side Story in 1962. How, like, how does that work? I would love to do that. But yeah, she looked amazing another person is Allison Janney in red Reem Acra who as I say looked beautiful and I loved it because it was so beautiful on her it fit her she's a tall person and a lot of people who are tall sometimes the dresses don't always look great on them but that red looks so beautiful on her and it was just so simple because it's just a solid color there wasn't anything crazy going on in the dress so yeah Lupita Nyong'o in custom Atelier Versace is another one of my favorite looks from the red carpet. Uh, Lupita just such looks beautiful. I don't think she ever fails on the red carpet. Um, and she really just looked exquisite. And I loved her look. So Meryl Streep and Christian Dior Haute Couture. A lot of people were comparing her to the fairy godmother in Shrek. And I do not blame them because she looked like the fairy godmother from Shrek too. But yeah, I mean, but she looked great. Jennifer Gardner in Atelier Versace. The blue, I have to say, looked beautiful. I love that train, and I love, again, it was so simple and simplistic. I love the simplicity on the red carpet sometimes. I love it when they don't go for boldness. They don't go for anything crazy, and it's and it works because it was just so simple. It was a simple, effortless gown, and I loved it. Tiffany Haddish, I loved her look because she was basically paying tribute to her late father, and that gown represented her culture, 
where her parent where her father was from and everything and it was beautiful i didn't have to say i love that look i wish she kept that look all night especially when she presented but hey i also love that alexander mcqueen dress as well another dress i liked that i don't think a lot of people liked was whoopi goldberg's it was i would say floral um but it was really pretty it was definitely whoopi because Whoopi is always out there. Whoopi is always crazy. But I liked it because it was so different from everything you see on the red carpet. And yet there were pockets on there. And she was actually wearing shoes. She wasn't wearing heels. That, that dress was big enough to hide the shoes. Which was really cool. That she was able to be comfortable on that red carpet. And my final uh, favorite look from the night. Viola Davis in Michael Kors collection. It was a simple pink. It was hot. It was a beautiful pink. It was really simple, understated. And again, I love the understated looks. I like when you don't have to go for a fashion risk or a, like you don't have to go huge for a fashion look. And she did such a great job with her Michael Kors look. It was so simple. It was so beautiful. And I think basically a lot of people could wear it. And I think that's the thing I love also about the red carpet. Like you see these dresses that sometimes are these huge expensive gowns but then you see how they also could be simplistic you could find something at your local retailer that's like less than what they basically pay for these dresses or that they rent for these dresses and it will still look kind of the same there are similarities in the dresses that you can find at retailers that are what the the biggest stars are wearing so that's what I love about the red carpet. Sometimes you can actually find these looks for less somewhere, especially even the shoes. But yeah, enough talking about the Oscars. <laughs> Overall, it was a fun night. I loved it. It was long. It got boring after a while. I mean, it got boring after we were halfway in and all we gave out were tech awards because of like, get to the acting categories. Like, get to the end of this. But I love the performances. I love the montages. I do hope that more big picture names do get recognized next year because I get the Oscars want to be artsy farsy, but you're losing viewers at the same time. There has to be something that has to be done in regards to that. There needs to be something that you guys can do to say, hey, we are we're not only trying to be hip, but we're trying to also be cool here. Now we're trying to also nominate some of these best pictures that were also these big blockbusters. I mean, the reason why the Academy expanded from five to 10 best picture nominations was so big pictures can get nominated like the dark Knight, which got snubbed at the Academy Awards when it was actually eligible. And Heath Ledger, of course, uh, won for his role as a Joker. So hopefully we get to see more big blockbuster movies to be nominated. I mean, this year we had Logan that was nominated for Adopted Screenplay, but that was it. And hopefully we get to see more of them as hopefully the years progress that we can have the artsy farsi films, the indie films mixed in with some of the biggest blockbuster movies that were also critically acclaimed, that also got audiences on their feet, that got audiences wanting to see these movies. So hopefully... We get to see that happen over the course of the next few years, that there'll be a mixture of everything when it comes to the Oscar, and hopefully more diversity too, hopefully more um, Latino performers and more Asian performers get nominated and recognized at the Academy, because hell, that part is lacking too, because we don't get to see a lot of Latinos on screen, we don't get to see a lot of Asian characters on screen, we don't get to see a lot of Native Americans on screen, so hopefully we get to see more of that in the next few years at the Academy Awards and at the movies in general. So speaking of movies, let's kind of wrap things up and let's do a little playlisted. These are some of my favorite nominated winning Oscar movies. So they range from comedies to dramas to animated hits to musicals. So some of my um, favorites include recent hits like Frozen, Toy Story 3, which 
I basically cried at the end. If you didn't, you are heartless. As well as classics like Citizen Kane, The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, uh, Titanic, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music, West Side Story, as well as also other recent fairs like Avatar, Chicago, American Hustle, Les Miserables. Shrek, Lilo and Stitch, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, just to name a few. Those are some of my favorite movies. And I just love these different types of movies because they're fun, they're great, and also I just want some escapism. Um, that's kind of what I love about movies. Also, some of my favorite non-Best Picture nominee movies includes Dreamgirls, The Devil Wears Prada, Bridesmaids, Nine, and Into the Woods, just to name a few. So, for a complete list of my favorite Oscar-nominated and winning films, head on over to the show's Facebook page at ALBOE Podcast. And that would do for me, you guys. That is a wrap on the 90th Oscars recap. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at ALBOE underscore podcast and on Facebook at at ALBOE Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Kevin underscore ENG. And until next time, see ya.